0: I am on the 11th floor of a hotel in a very a very uh, mucky and rainy Cardiff. Not to say that, that Cardiff is mucky, it's just the weather. It's very grim. So if you hear sort of traffic, and so, 11 floors up, you can still hear the traffic. Uh, that will be the noise that you hear, so apologies for that. Um, and... Yeah, I just thought, you know, I'll stick to my promise and we'll do this Q&A to sort of round things off. We we kind of do these... You know, car. We kind of do these every so often. The last one went down really well and we couldn't get through all the questions. I don't think we're going to get through all the questions today either. Uh, but, you know, we'll come back to it. We always do. Sadly, this time, the lovely and brilliant producer Griff—he's not with me. He's busy working on something else right now. Um, So it's just me, 11 floors up, in Cardiff, and you listening. Uh, That's all right, Nate, we'll get through it. Um, Thank you so much um, for the new listeners who hadn't heard Joe Trussini's episode, because it was Mental Health Awareness Week last week. We both thought it was important for people to listen to to Joe's journey and his story. And, you know, he's so brilliant articulating, you know, and sometimes brutal in his articulation of how he is, how he was, where he was at that time. Um, And it's not for, it's not to preach or anything like that. It's just to tell his story. So I'm really pleased. That new listeners could find out it, it, look it's it's a heavy listen uh, you know we 're not going to lie, I think that, that we I put some trigger warnings out at the start before before we get into the episode um certainly everything what we 've been going through in the past year um you know and the awareness of mental health uh is and quite rightly on the rise, we thought um it would be quite the episode to uh, to revisit and uh, I think we were right. So, uh, are you all well? Are you sitting down? Are you travelling? Are you on a treadmill? Are you going for a walk with a dog? What are you doing? Whatever you're doing, just ease into it. This is our time now and we can get to it. Um, I want to say a massive thank you to you all, even even those who didn't post a question, and there's a the lot, but the ones that did post a question, thank you. Uh, there's a lot to get through. Um, you won't be surprised to hear that some questions overlap. Certain people ask the same thing. Some people asked many questions, so I can only pick uh, certain questions. From if you're one of those people that can, that said, "Greg, I've got five questions," um, so I'll only pick be able to pick one or two of those. But uh, should we get into it? Yeah. Okay. Hello, Navida Hussein. Navida Hussain has emailed me and it's about the with Line of Duty podcast conversations and she said, I just wanted to ask how you found the podcast conversations with so many people on Twitter as there were very interesting investigations being done and would you do this podcast again when and if Line of Duty comes back? Okay, so you might know this already. I might have said over there or over here so I was approached a couple of years ago now by BBC Sounds to host another Obsessed With podcast, and it, was, it wasn't it was to do with Line of Duty, because they do other shows as well. This was to do with Peaky Blinders. And would I be interested in hosting that? And I said, well, I can't, because... I don't really have any knowledge of Peaky Blinders. I don't watch it, so they you know, I'd be a fraud. Um, so I don't think I'm the right person for it. And then when they came back late last year, 2020, um, I had to have a real think about whether I could host it. Because obviously what I do here is that long-form conversation... Podcast, which is very, very different to a, a 35, 40-minute, extremely structured, mostly scripted show. I mean, obviously the conversations between me and the guests weren't scripted, but the the, the start and the before uh, had to be scripted for, for the way... And I didn't know whether I could do that. I didn't know whether I had the, the skill set to do it. And also, I had to question it's subject matter because line of duty is so close to me still now, even though, you know, I left, you know, what was it? Five years ago or something, you know, it it changed so many things for me in my, in my life and my career. And I didn't want it. I didn't want to do it a disservice. I suppose I wanted to treat it with the respect that, the show gets given. Um, So it was a funny, it was a funny time and I thought about it and I think, no, I could do it. But if I want to make sure I involve the audience, the fans as much as I can, and what's the best way to do that via social media. So I I wanted it to be as interactive as possible and I knew it was going to be a lot of work for me Especially in the downtime, responding to people and charging people up, and sometimes annoying people on Twitter, um, and it just grew and grew. And I think everybody took it with the humour that it was intended to. It was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, a lot. It was a lot of hard work. Don't get me wrong, but I feel it. It added an extra factor to people's watching week in, week out and also joining in with the podcast. So, um yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was great. Everybody got on board. Um and the investigations were fantastic because that's what I thought Jed wanted us to do this year above all other years was, you know, really play detective, which we all did. Um and we were all most of us were were quite terrible and I I was one of the worst. Don't worry. Um Navida asks, would you do this podcast again when and if Line of Duty comes back? Look, never say never. Who knows what is going to happen in the future? Thank you so much for your question, Navida. I hope I answered that to your liking. Fern Roberts, hello. How are you? Thank you for emailing Now, Fern asks... If you were on death row, that hold up Fern. Come on, we're just coming out of one of the worst years we've ever had, and you're talking about me being on death row, it's a bit bleak. But she 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 goes on What would you ask for as your final meal? Now ah, this is so tricky, Fern Roberts, because you've got to factor in seasons. Is it spring, is it summer, autumn, winter? Everything changes like what we wear. Also, it's a bit like, what's your mood today? So therefore, what album am I listening to? What album is my favorite today that I want to soundtrack my day? Am I feeling slightly melancholic today? Am I happy? Have I got a spring in my step? Do I need some more energy? What's my favorite film? So it all depends on mood. So look, Let's take it to where we are now. It's May. What would I really want to do? Of course, one of my favourite things to do is to be in a restaurant, which, you know... Touch wood, we're all going to be back in restaurants safe and sound very soon. Um, I'm very excited about that. I can't begin to tell you. Now, just, off the top of my head, I think I'd like... Look, if I'm dying... I need to start getting numb. I need to be numb. and I need to be full. And hopefully it, it can be quite blurry when they inject that lethal dose into my veins. Um, oh, God, it's so bleak, isn't it? Um, so I think a couple of ice-cold vodka martinis to start, just to cleanse the palate, awaken the senses. That would be very nice. And I think let's just go in with a beautiful, very crispy roast suckling pig on the table, big bowl of greens, like maybe some buttery cabbage or uh or uh, look it's my decimal meal, I can have whatever I want, I? so a big bowl of buttery cabbage with the roast suckling pig, uh fresh Caesar salad with anchovies in, fantastic, and a big bowl of roast potatoes and sod it uh, some macaroni cheese as well in there maybe truffley macaroni cheese that sounds nice doesn't it and a lovely bottle of red maybe like a monastrel something like that that'd be nice wash all that down I'm kind of sleepy full slightly woozy probably feeling a bit nauseous but it doesn't matter because I'm going to be dying in a minute so uh, answer your question, Fern? Sorry, a bit bleak, it? Anyway. Matty. Matty, Jory, how are you? I'm fine, thank you for asking. Are there any roles that you've turned down that you wish you hadn't? Do you know what? Um, Matty, no, there isn't. I think whenever I talk to younger actors, I always say, saying no is so important for your, not only for your career, but, you know, for your personal growth. Because one of the only powers that we have is to say no. Of course we can say yes because we want to work. Everyone wants to sort of work and progress in their career. But to say no is healthy. Um, and I've never regretted saying no to any... There's been a few things that I've regretted saying yes to. I tell you, now I'm joking, there isn't really. i yeah, yeah, maybe there is. Um, but no, saying no is, it is very healthy, I think. Um, sorry, I'm in this hotel room and I'm feeling a bit blocked up today because of uh, this aircon that I've had to turn off in the room, but I think I slept with it on last night, so apologies if I'm sounding slightly um, nasal. I'm trying my best. So, no, I, I think turning things down... Is is as important as, as accepting anything, and that just goes across the board, not not just for acting. I hope that's your question, Matty. Mr. Anthony, how are you, Anthony? How? Are, yeah, okay. Um, Craig, my question is: Do you think we will see a series seven of Line of Duty? He also goes on to say, and do you think some of the negative social media reaction to the finale, he also says in brackets, though I enjoyed it, especially on second watch, I told you, I told you that, will discourage Jed from writing more? Well, let's start with the latter. Do I think it will discourage Jed from writing any more? No, it is is my instinct. That's a gut instinct. I have no knowledge of this. I don't think it will. I mean, it just goes to show it's, you know, it's topped the most watched drama. It's, it's number one, right? What was number two, you're asking? Heartbeat with Nick Berry from many years ago. I don't know why. Who knows? Not to say that Heartbeat wasn't great. It had its time and its place, but interesting. Look, you say about the negative reaction, and I've said this, I felt slightly deflated on its on its first watch, I must admit. Um, but going back to it for a second time, yes, I went back to it a third and fourth time, but that's purely for work purposes. But to watch it a second time, it was extremely satisfying. You know, I think everybody wanted a big shootout, some sort of urgent exit required. He's done that. He's done that. He's not going to do it again. He's he's going to surprise you. He's going to pull the rug from under your feet. That's what he does. That's what this show is. And it's right to be infuriated. That's fine. But to be too negative, especially on social media, look, we all know sometimes what an absolute cesspit it is. And we work hard. Certainly, going back to um, the first question about the interaction on, on social media with regards to season six, there wasn't any hate. I was hopefully conducting a group of, you know, like-minded people who were just adding a bit more texture to to what they were watching and and having some fun. So, because you've got to remember, it's not just aimed at Jed, that negativity. That's all the cast, all the crew, everybody that down tools... When production had to stop, they had to restart with all the COVID safety measures in place. It wasn't easy. I know that. It isn't easy. It's still not back to normal now. Um, Will it ever be? I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent. Um, So, no, I don't think so, Anthony Howe. Um, I don't think it will discourage Jed at all. But I would urge people to uh, go back and watch it a second time if you're still feeling... Slightly short-changed. Hello, Tracy Archer. How the devil are you? Uh, Craig, what's your thoughts on the final? Yeah, we've kind of done that. We've kind of done that, Tracy, with Anthony's question previously. Now, this is a question from Alison. She says... Now, my question. She says lovely, nice things. I don't want to... By the way, everybody uh, is kicking off their emails saying very lovely things... Uh, ..about uh, what myself and Griff do and continue to do. Um, uh, And they are really lovely. And I'm reading them. I'm just not reading them out on here. It feels a bit uh, like I'm, you know, slapping myself on the back for a job well done and it feels slightly icky to read that out. But I am reading them and it's much appreciated, honestly, we couldn't, couldn't and wouldn't be doing this without you anyway. So Alison says, my question is, and this is interesting. Have you ever been accidentally injured or injured someone else accidentally while acting? Oh, Alison, wait there. I'm going to have to have a little, uh, a little vape here. Now, the answer to your question is yes, I have been injured uh, quite badly (laughs) actually so I was filming Misfits for Channel 4 I forget what season it was it it was I think it was two it could possibly have been three but I think it was two and it was if you've not seen Misfits then I do urge you to, to go and watch it um it is a fantastic, groundbreaking series, I think, for its time. It was way ahead of its time. Um, and there was a sequence where my character was having a fight with all the gangs. So there's Ewan, Lauren, um, Robert, everybody was there. And there was a moment, and I, I don't think it was a dream sequence, it might have been a time shift. It might have been a time shift. Anyway, it was to find out that, that he was he dead or was he wasn't. I no, I know what it was. I know what it was. It was uh an alternate reality sequence. And in this fight sequence, um, all the main gang piled on Sean, my character, and then it was Lauren Soccer's job to pick up a fire extinguisher. And we went through it, rehearsed it, and she was to sort of smash me on the head. And then, in this reality, Sean was dead. And what the art department did, they put a soft padded cushion underneath the very bottom of the fire extinguisher, so in the the circular section right at the bottom. And she was to hold the fire extinguisher and bump me on the head, but not turn it not turn it because the sides of the base you know it was a real fire extinguisher so it would have hurt me and guess what she did turn it and it cracked my head open and i felt in the the rush of the fight sequence you know, the endorphins were flowing, everybody's energy was right up, and I just felt a sort of bonk on the head during it, and then I put my hand to the top of my forehead, and it just started gushing with blood, because obviously if you get cut on your forehead, there's not a lot of protection there, and I didn't realise at the time, but then once the Blood started gushing through my hands and I heard a scream of Lauren going, Oh no, have I killed him? Have I killed him? Is he dead? Is he dead? That's a terrible. She didn't even spoil out was from Derby. Um, but she was screaming that she thought she killed me. I was thought I was fine, and then I started to feeling slightly woozy, and then looked at all the blood that was just gushing out onto the floor of this room. Um But luckily, they filmed it, and we obviously couldn't go again because I had to go and see the medic and get my head sort of cleaned up and glued back together. But if you go back and watch that sequence now, that is the scene that they used in the cut, in the final cut. So all that blood that you see from my character's head is actually all my blood. There you go. Hope we're not having any tea. Shirley Burke, hello. My question: I noticed that in the final scenes, AC12. Right. Okay. So Ted. Ted wasn't in uniform and needed to be let in and out of security by his colleagues. Does this mean he had actually retired at that point? I thought he still had some time left to serve. She also goes on to say, sorry, this is a stupid question. I've misread the scene. It's not a stupid question. There is no questions that are stupid. Um, The way I saw it, simply, was that he was off duty. But That's all. I mean, we never see that trio off duty, do we really? I mean, apart from when... Steve's necking all his pills and drinking four bottles of wine. Um, yeah, I just saw it that he was off duty and he came in to uh, to see Steve and Kate, but had some final business with Pat. So I don't think he misread it. I just think, oh, well, that's me. Someone can correct me if they think I am wrong. Uh, Megan... Devereaux, hello to you. Thank you so much for your question. Um, her question is, if the opportunity ever presented itself, would you return to Line of Duty, either in a flashback or a dots-not-dead kind of situation? We've gone over this, Megan. <laughs> or do you reckon that door is finally, uh, is firmly closed? Look, I I do think it's firmly closed, and it should be. He had his time, he came to an end. I couldn't have wished for a better ending for a character's arc than that. Um, there's a question later on which we'll go into a bit more about this, this, uh, this ending of season three. So I hope this'll answer some more of your question, Megan. No, I mean, look, here's the thing, right? Let me put this to you. Let's say it's not going to happen. But let's say he came back, or we found that he wasn't there, or he was doing something else. I mean, come on, you'd feel cheated. I would. I. I don't think. I don't think it would be plausible. Uh, and I think also if he carried on any longer, like, oh come on, you know, we don't we never want to feel that you know. We're hoodwinking an audience. Um, but I think that would have been pushing it a bit too far, don't you? You'd feel cheated. Anyway, I hope that answers your question, Megan. Let us move on. Suzanne Sanders, hello. Are you all right. Thank you for taking the time to email. Now, Suzanne says... <clears throat> excuse me. She doesn't say that. I said that. Apologies for the completely unoriginal question I think you'll find this is an original question, Suzanne Because we haven't had another one like it On this email run But who haven't you had on your podcast That you would love to sit down and chat with On taking that further Who is no longer with us That you wish you could have spoken to Um. So yeah, I mean, reverse that, Suzanne It's not unoriginal, it's actually a very good question um, I have been asked it before, and it changes. You know, it's a bit like the the album and the film or the, the death row meal, it, it changes every day. But one person who sticks in my mind, who's no longer with us, would be the ex-chef and travel documentary maker and author... Anthony Bourdain, I think there would be a lot to unpack. He's had a very rich, textured, brutal, sometimes life, Um, and his passing was extremely sad for a lot of people. Um, There's a great documentary, actually, at the end of Parts Unknown, which is on Netflix. Now, not sponsored by Netflix, but it is there. And his colleagues and crew members who worked with him for years very candid about the type of person who Anthony Bourdain was from, from day to day. Uh, if you caught him on a good day, fantastic. If you caught him on a bad day, yeah, there's going to be trouble. So I don't think he was the easiest person to work with. In fact, I know, you watch the documentary. Uh, they're not backwards or coming forwards uh, about his character, um, you know, travelling around the world with. It's hard enough to travel with people anyway, you know. You have to have a certain rapport and uh, generosity, I think, when travelling with with certain people. You know, you may meet that person throughout your life and you just go, I can just be with you, I can just travel with you. It's very, very easy. There's no drama. Uh, I don't think he was one of those. So I, I would love to have sat down with Anthony Bourdain and uh, and unpicked what was going on, hopefully. That would have been interesting. But, yeah, if you don't know who he is, read uh, Kitchen Confidential to kick off with. It's a fantastic book. A tour after that is great. And whenever I'm travelling... Away for for work or holidays, I always go back to either parts unknown or the layover. I think you can get all of the layover on YouTube. What the layover is, he gets. It's either twenty four, it's either twenty four or forty eight hours in one destination, and he goes and, and picks all the best best bits and the places that you need to eat. From and it's not all it's not all high end stuff. It's like street food vendors. I remember when I was moving to Malaysia for six months to work, so I watched everything I could that he documented about Malaysia, and then I was going to Singapore, so I watched a Singapore documentary and found right. Where are his recommendations? I wanna go there. So I sort of made a pilgrimage to all these different places and these street food vendors. Um, Yeah, that would be my recommendation. Uh, Let's go on. Laurie Blair, thank you. You say lovely, nice things which I will not be reading out but we are grateful, thank you very much. Laurie says, uh, what is your favourite TV film genre to work on and why? I don't know, is is the honest answer. It, it, It changes all the time. I mean, I started out doing this because I just wanted to make people laugh. I just wanted to do comedy. That's all I wanted to do. I was desperate to do comedy. I started out, you know, making people laugh in a play at school and it was a real buzz it was like a drug you know I, I I had some sort of power I was making people laugh and it's a great skill and I'd grown up in my summer holidays you know on a a heavy diet of Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and of course Laurel and Hardy which you know still to this day remains some of my my favourite comedy on the screen so yeah it's all it was all about comedy and then I know an actor who turned a job down, and they came to me after he turned it down. And look, this happens all the time, and you've just got to get on with it. You know, sometimes you're you're never the first choice. That's just the way it is. You know, you just have to suck it up, and that's fine. But I was very grateful because it was a a huge dramatic role. It was a dual role. It was uh, where I was playing twins on ITV, and you you just think to yourself, wait a minute, I've just been doing comedy and now for some reason I'm doing this dramatic role. Plus, I'm playing twins. That is not going to happen. You'd be ve- That's not going to happen again. Once you've done that, you've done that. So there was lots of interesting challenges to, to take on board there. Uh, and from then on, I just started doing loads of drama. Uh, and obviously I'm desperate to get back. Uh, to doing comedy. But as we all know, fantastic comedy is hard to find. Laurie, I hope that answers your question. Uh, Jessica War, Jessica War has um, emailed in how many? Six questions, Jess. Come on now, you know I'm not going to get through them all. So let's go with the... First one. Jess says... What inspired you to start the Two Shot podcast? Was it an individual or another podcast that inspired you? Okay, now, I might have... said this before... But if you come into this new, then maybe you don't. So... I had finished a very big acting job and things were desperately quiet i'm not going to lie you know as it always is it's uh, it's uh, a precarious tightrope of a business and it was a it was a it was a very dull and uncreative time for me with regards to acting, and I felt like, well, I don't have any power at the moment. I'm not getting scripts, but I wanted to do something, and I was listening. I was listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of long form interview podcasts, and they ranged. Some of them were were great. Some of them were kind of quite patronising and quite awful, and they weren't honest. And I was thinking about old school interviews um and how they were done and it wasn't about creatives actors musicians whatever coming on to flog a series or talk about the new album for like 12 minutes or something like I just things like that were were slightly crude to me i didn't like that i wanted to the thing is I wanted to get to know people more and I'm fascinated by people. That's what drives me to do this all the time is the the, the fascination with, with human beings and w- what we can learn from what I can learn and what, you know, you listen and if it connects with you or with your life or maybe it's just a bloody interesting tale that this person has to tell and we get to know more about them with regards... Uh, we get to know more about them in regards to them going, oh, I've got this show or this album's out now or this tour's coming out or I'm opening this new restaurant. I wanted to put all that aside and try and, I suppose, develop some other skill. Because if you're not acting and you're desperate to be creative, you want to try and learn and do something else. And I'd, I'd got to 40 So it was my uh, midlife crisis podcast. I thought, well, I've got to do something. Not that I was going to walk away from the acting, but I just wanted to do something else and try and have another skill and learn from it. And also listen to other podcasts and go, yeah, that's not how I would do it. I want to have a slightly different approach and really focus on the guests. Uh, I'm aware that, this actual podcast you're listening to now is the opposite of whatever my manifesto was to start with. Um, but then I, I went out for dinner with Vicky McClaw and we were talking about Joseph Gilgan and he was gonna start a podcast and it, it didn't happen, but Vicky said, oh, one of Joe's best mates from school um, knows all the tech stuff, and it was like five years ago, I didn't know anything about how to start it up or what it was going to be, how I was going to do it. It was, you know, starting from scratch. And myself and producer Griff uh, linked up on email, and then within a week, I think, we met up, in the Britain's Protection pub that is in Manchester. If you don't know it, get yourself down there. Proper old school pub. Very good pies in the winter. If you like a pie, get yourself down there. Um and we met for the first time and we had a list of I don't know, twenty-five names of what of what the excuse me, of what the podcast could be called. And uh We whittled it down, we did some text in and said, we've got these two names, what do you think? Friends decided it should be called the Two Shot Podcast and within a week we started recording and we were working together and getting to know each other as well because we we didn't know each other. So you're working together in a professional capacity but also, you know, you've got to form a new relationship which is what we've done and long may it continue so that's that was the birth of, of how it started I hope that answers your question Jess um, what are we on? Oh, we're getting into it right let's uh, let's all go and have a toilet break and a cup of tea glass of water uh, beverage of your choosing and I'll, uh, I'll see you back here in a minute nice one and we are back after that short break. Everything all right, got your drink, I'm gonna have a little sip here, wait there. Better. So our next question comes from Phil Gow, who I believe to be uh based in Lancashire, or he certainly was because it because he talks about uh, Blackpool file the uh College alumni, which is where I started training after secondary school. I went there for two years prior to drama school. And he talks about John Sim and Kate Ford, who's excellent as Tracy Barlow and Coronation Street. And he talks about, you know, down the road, Blackpool Six form, which is sadly no longer there, John Robb, Lucy Fallon. Um how would you fancy doing a show with all of you yeah well that is interesting because um i was working with john last year on a new on a new detective drama uh, based on i say based based on the peter james detective novels and we filmed two of uh, the adaptations of the books last year in Brighton and we wrapped just before Christmas the second one's coming out uh, after summer I believe and then we're back to it we've been commissioned to shoot another three films they're sort of standalone pieces for ITV and I think they're going to come on Britbox as well if you have Britbox I don't have Britbox anyway, watch it on ITV or VPN if you're uh, across the water anyway so, I am working with John again, and we start that in August of this year um, But Phil goes on to say, "Who is your most famous alumni colleague? Have you worked with anyone?" I kind of answered that with with John um, I think the most famous uh, alumni, not a colleague but so I, I've never if I ever met him. He's David Thewlis. I don't think I've met him. But I know his parents used to... Did they run... They either ran a newsagent or a toy shop in uh, St Anne's. I can't quite remember. Anyway, David uh, Thulis, I would say. Uh, Thank you, Phil, for that question. Let us move on. We are kind of... Running out of time here. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to get to all your questions. But let us uh, speed through a few. Veronica. W- Veronica? Veronica Michim? Veronica Michim? Am I pronouncing that? I- apologies. Uh, for the offensive uh, pronunciation. Um, but you're going a few questions. I want to go with the first one. What Veronica says, if you find yourselves with too much time on your hands and wanted to start another podcast, either together or individually, what would be the theme? Too much time on my hands. Oh, that would be a joy. I'm not at the moment. Um... We've spoken about this. We have, we've we've discussed it. One of, anybody who follows me on Instagram will know, yes, I'm one of those boring people that post pictures of uh, food that they've cooked, um, just because I love it. You know, reading a book or being in the kitchen is time to switch off and relax. Um, And I don't get enough of that. Uh, certainly not at the moment, but yeah, cooking is great, so I would want to do something based on food i don 't know if a podcast would work, possibly a documentary series would would work more, so a sort of food arts and culture based podcast I have a few ideas i 'm not going to say them out here because uh you know what people are like they 'll just they 'll go nick it and pitch it um. But yeah, a food-based podcast would be good. And the thing is, you know, uh, Griff, can you hear that outside? I'm in this hotel, so Excuse the sound. Uh, if you watched the brilliant Brassic on Sky, Griff produces, writes and hosts the companion podcast, the Brassic podcast that goes alongside each episode. Uh, he's brilliant, and he uh, interviews the cast, talks with Joe, sit-downs with the writers. Sit-downs, sit-down, sit-down. He sits down with the writers. I can't even speak. Um, I'm shattered to be honest, but let's crack on. Yeah, go to Brassic Podcast, listen to that. So, yeah, we do branch out. And also, Griff does produce other podcasts, Um But I'll uh, I'll let him answer himself. I'm sure he'll put some stuff in the blurb about that. But, uh, yeah, we're constantly uh, branching out and doing other things. But uh, the Two Shot Podcast will always be our home. Uh, Vicky Horsepool, how are you doing? Thank you for your question. You say uh, you've worked with Martin Compton on a few films, yeah. Many. Over the years, which was your favourite to work on and which is your favourite to watch? Um and thank you, uh Vicky, for saying lovely things at the end, which I'm not gonna read out. But um she she ends the the email by saying uh that Martin's episode of uh, TSP was one of her favourites. Uh, she went in that mayonnaise story. Yep. Yeah, well, sadly, that's true. If you haven't heard Martin's episode, do go back and listen to it. It's episode 100. I think it's amazing. Is there any chance of having him on again? Look, the door is always open for Compton to come on. Um, he knows he's always welcome. Now, which was the favourite one to work on? Um, look, Soulboy had... It's challenges. I'm not going to lie. It was a low budget film. Myself and Martin had to learn from the ground up about Northern Soul dancing. We're not, uh, well, I'm certainly not Martin's a, a much better dancer than I am with regards to Northern Soul, which was tricky because we had three or four weeks of quite intense training of Northern Souls. So we were just fed a diet of moves and music. Uh, and we we're in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, no, no disrespect to Stoke-on-Trent, but yeah, it was uh, it was a tough shoot. Um, I preferred, not preferred. Look, just going back, I don't watch anything back. I don't watch. I don't sit down and go. I'm going to pop on Ghosted. I'm going to pop on Soul. I'm going to watch it. It just doesn't happen. I just don't watch it back. Um, it's you know, it's. It's the process for me. and uh, But I loved working with Martin on Ghosted, which was a a low-budget prison drama that we did uh, for so many reasons. Well, one, because I love working with Martin and his fantastic company and a very close friend. But we we shot Ghosted in scene order. And I think in 20-odd years... That has happened twice on a job. It, it never happens for, for all sorts of logistical reasons. It just it just doesn't make sense to do it like that. But we were in a closed set, so a closed prison set. We had the luxury of doing that, so we thought, why don't we do it? Uh, and it really helped everything. And it was a it was quite a a short and Brutal shoot But um, Everybody was doing it for Sort of you know Next to no money And We had a We had a really Good time Neil Maskell was in it as well uh, Roger Evans was in it It was great It was a A, a really fantastic uh, Happy Happy shoot um, And it was This is how low budget it was Myself and Martin Who You know We didn't live in London At the time Uh, They couldn't even afford to put us up in, like, an apartment or uh, a hotel for the duration of the shoot. Uh, So we ended up staying at Art Malik's house because he was in it and he was one of the producers. Low-budget filmmaking, everybody. That's just how it happens. Um, Look, we're going to wind this down now. Um, Let's see about... Who are the final questions? OK. Uh, Tanis has sent an email from Canada. And this is quite interesting. I mean, it's just like nice rapid-fire questions. Cats or dogs? Cats, definitely. They can look after themselves. That's what I need. Milk or cream? Milk. Why... Because if I'm having a dessert, if I'm having a beautiful hot cherry pie fresh out of the oven, I don't want cold cream on it. I want cold ice cream. That's just the way it is. Bottle or tap, depends what we're talking about. I'm going to say bottle for now. Whiskey or gin, it's not on ore, neither. Catchable mayonnaise, mayonnaise all the way. Thank you, Tanis. Let's get some, let's get, all right, two more questions. Ella Preston has sent in a few questions here. And I'm going to go with the first one. And it's a Line of Duty-based question. Bar dot, who is your favourite Line of Duty character of all time? I mean, this is so difficult. So difficult. Let's, for one second, let's put the main trio out of the equation. That's very hard to separate those three so let's just put them out they're all great and I love them dearly over the years look look I'm going to say it Tony Gates Lenny James the man who started and changed everything Lenny as a human being as an actor but Tony Gates as a character uh, with so much empathy for him especially in that final scene which if you haven't seen, he jumps in front of a truck. Um, spoiler, but you know I've never been so shocked and sad to read uh, what happens on the page of a script for some time, and what Lenny brought to it with his skill and the way he is as as a human on set and as a as a number one, um, he just set the bar. So, so high. And I don't know if you know, but he was the person who set the benchmark for those big, long interrogation scenes in the glass box. He... Glass box. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, He was the one that said, um, no, we should do it all as one take, like a a small piece of theatre to keep the energy flowing through the scene. And, yeah... That was uh, the way it was and the way it shall always be. And that's thanks to Lenny. Oh, guys, look, I think we're going to have to call it a day. We've got so many more questions to get through. Uh, But what I've done, okay, I've flagged all the questions. I'll keep them on file and we'll go back to it. We'll revisit it uh, in a, a month or so. And hopefully Griff will be with me at that point and uh, he can probably ask the questions and then we can answer them. But uh, look, thank you so, so much for sending these in. I hope I've answered everything okay. And uh, if it goes well, then we'll do more. Uh, but next week we're going to get back to the way uh, Two Shot Podcast has been and uh, and will be uh, with another beautiful and brilliant guest no doubt i don't know who it is yeah i haven't recorded it but we'll uh, we'll figure it out and that's what we do we figure things out and we muddle along and we get through it so look until next week i've been craig parkinson he's been producer griff and this has been your two shot podcast thanks again